In this series, we hear stories about the role masculinity plays in today's world, as I try to become a better version of myself every day. Join me and let's discover this together. You struggle for breath. I can feel it now. It's a horrible feeling, almost like you're drowning. Today's guest is John Monroe, originally from Northern Ireland and the owner of software company Globocall. In this episode, we'll learn how a man thinks and acts on the brink of bankruptcy. It's March 2014, and John is sitting in his home office in the spare bedroom. He's anxiously waiting for news about a new contract. In fact, John's counting on that contract to keep his business afloat. The email comes in, it's got a subject line, and it's got then you can see the first line of the email. And I think the first line of the email says something like, we regret to inform you. And I thought, oh God, that's not what I want to hear. I remember I didn't open it for about 10 minutes. I sat and sat and looked at it. I hope maybe a new email will come in saying, forget about the previous one, but uh, it didn't. The realization that we weren't going to get that hit me about half past 10 in the morning. And I remember thinking, I can't pay my mortgage next month. (sighs) 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 Struggle for breath. I can feel it now. It's a horrible feeling, almost like you're drowning and you can't, you want to reach out for something, you know, reach out for that life belt or whatever. I was desperately trying to think, where can I get some money from to make this problem go away? sat in my little office at home. I really didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to speak to. I didn't want to speak to my wife about it. Giving her that news would be a terrible blow. My daughter was at university at that time. My son was just coming up to school. And the last thing you want to do is give them problems. I'd always been the breadwinner in the family. I think that'd been my expectation of myself. You try and keep a nice, happy face for them and how things go, and oh, everything's fine because you're that's your role. It was my own private little secret, it was almost like a, a bit of a sense of shame. Who can I talk to about this? And I couldn't think of anybody. So After you found out that you'd not got that contract, what were the days, weeks, months like after that? Okay, so the first few days after that bad news carried on very much the same, feeling of total panic, felt very stressed. I couldn't find a solution. The harder I looked, the more unlikely a solution seemed. I'm usually quite optimistic, enjoy a laugh and whatever, but I was getting uh, very impatient and short-tempered in the sense of things which I would let go before, you know, they would they would annoy and irritate me and I would sort of storm off to my room and say, I don't want to talk to anybody. And uh, then I knew I was being a, a pillock and that made it feel that made it feel even worse. So you get into a, a downward spiral. Do you think your wife had an inkling that there was something wrong? No, <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I was totally wrong about that. She did. I mean, we've been married for 26 years now, so she she knew me. She knew me much better than I thought. 
Why do you think she didn't pull you up on it earlier? I think she tried. She did try, and I just, I did, I didn't want, I wasn't ready to, I mean, I wasn't ready to talk about it. So, because I still, for me, it was a, it, it was a terrible feeling of failure. You know, nobody likes to admit that. So I, I wouldn't let her in. I, I really wouldn't let her in. I felt really, really strongly, this is a mess I've got us into, and it's something I've got to get us out of. And how did it make you feel that you had to keep up that pretense that everything was okay? I just felt that was part and parcel of being the man in the family. That was that was just a that was one of your roles, you know. You can you, you take all the good times, and this was a bad time, so you just had to take it on the chin. So talk us through the moment that you that you told your wife. You know why, in particular, that day, that time, wherever you told her. Well, by this time, I'd got a contract uh, working in Scotland, um, which I'd taken to get me out of the um, financial difficulty. Or, and after three months, I was offered a contract renewal. And Alison said, well, do you have to take it? You know, Why would you take that? Been away for three months. Wouldn't it be better to come back now and stay with the, you know, stay with the family and so on? And I said, "Well, don't you realise that?" Um, and that, that's when I that's when I told her. She said, "What? What do I not realise? Don't you realise that I had to take this because otherwise I couldn't have paid the bills?" She said, "Well, why didn't you tell me?" And I I said, "Well, I don't know. I didn't want to worry you. I think was what I said." And she said, "But we were all worried about you anyway because the way you were behaving and you were." You were sort of much more grumpy and bad-tempered, and we were worried about you uh, anyway. And if we'd known what it was, we could maybe have helped. How were you feeling at that moment in time when you had that conversation? Was your heart pounding, or did you feel a sense of relief, or how were you feeling? Uh, I felt a sense. Uh, I felt a sense of relief. I also felt very guilty because of the way that I hadn't. I, I realized I should have told her and shared it before. So I sort of. I beat myself up originally when with the problem because I thought I that was that was my failure and I beat myself up again when I I did share it with my wife and I felt I should have done it beforehand. A relationship is about communication and sharing and I realized that I'd not done that very well. So that was 2014. How have the, the last eight years been? Well, they got better and better. Obviously, the contract that I got with Calmac, uh, that plugged the hole. That built up a defence fund, if you like. And that saw me through until 2018, when I got my corporate pension, cashed that in. So by that time, we'd my partner, uh, Eddie, Eddie Prentice and I, we'd set up uh, the Global Call business, uh, the software development business, which we have now. All of the uh, funds we've taken out of Global Call have gone back into development uh, so we could build that business. So the Calmac contract got me through to my pension. The pension then provided the provided ongoing financial stability, um, which to, just removed that. And that was a huge cloud gone when, when we got that. What an amazing recovery, I suppose, you know, to go 
to go from from where you were the depths of despair to yeah you know to get these contracts get this defense fund going from this experience how how do you think it's helped you to become a better man it made me realize the importance of my relationship with particularly my wife and i need to be more honest with her uh, i'm still not brilliant at that she'll tell you i'm still not a great share uh, i do tend to bottle things up but uh, i'm better than i was I think, you know, life's a journey. It's a constant improvement. And I think getting the financial cloud lifted meant that I could really enjoy the kids. And I could, I could say to certainly both my daughter, but more my son, because he was just starting out, do what you want to do. We can fund you through university. That's not going to be a problem, which is great. Yeah, you obviously talk about bottling things up. I think we all do it as men, don't we? I mean, I've definitely done that. Yeah, I do. Done that in my life, and and it seems to be it seems to be the norm of perhaps what we've learned from our fathers and our grandfathers, etc. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I have conversations with my son, who's twenty one, that I would, could never have had with my own father. Much to my regret, I look back at my relationship with my own father and think, you know, he went through a similar thing that he had a corporate job. Uh, and that ended and uh, I, I mean I think he tried all sorts of different things to keep the family afloat mm. and I think I end up having this, exactly the same experience. So interesting how we can follow what our fathers did in the past and almost oh, yeah. be, a, be a replica of them as well. I, I've, there's certain traits that I've taken from you know, from my father and it's just it's just interesting how if you think about how many hours we spend with our with our parents, with our family, you know, thousands of hours, you know, it's inevitable you're going to pick up some of the things from them. It is, yeah. And I I, I feel myself doing things that my father would have done. Um, and uh, and then I think I didn't like it when he did that. So I, I, want to, I want to change that, you know, that aspect of my relationship with my son. I want that to be different. I want to have a much more open relationship. Mm. And... And not to have a judgmental one. Mm. Um, and again, I mean, met, I look back and when I talked to my father, I, I don't think maybe, maybe I'm saying he was judgmental and he, and he wasn't, but that was my perception of it. And mm. again, I didn't feel I could share stuff with him. Yeah. Um, and it's that whole thing of bottling stuff up and it's far, far better to, to, to say and often when you do communicate with people it's it, you're often pleasantly surprised yeah you i suppose you're pleasantly surprised when you open up like for example if i ever when, when i opened up to my father he was you know more than more than willing to listen but you have this sort of feeling of oh well he doesn't want to listen or he doesn't understand what i'm going through but actually he probably has been through that experience I, my father's probably been through yeah. a lot of the experiences i've been through Mm. Yeah, I, I I never quite I never quite got that far with my with my dad before he passed, and I, I, that's a that's a regret I'll always have. Um, I never I don't, never had a conversation with him about you know mm. how are you feeling how did how did you get through that, uh, and I wish I had had that conversation because it would have been useful back in back in two thousand fourteen, you know. Do you think you, if you'd have opened up about certain things, he might have opened up as well? Uh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. And I think we came close on occasion to doing that. There was, there was almost that. I, well, 
I was a smart horse when I was 21, 22. I thought I can't learn anything from him. And yeah, that was my fault. That was my bad, you know? Mm. Um, so to walk us through your son's graduation and just tell us a little bit about the degree, the degree that he did, which university he went to. So he graduated yesterday. We, we went over as a family to see it. We met him yesterday afternoon about four o'clock. Uh, he had his robe on and his guy or his gown and his hat and his, uh, his suit and a massive, massive smile on his face. And, uh, uh, my, my daughter Helen was with us. She graduated from MMU six years ago. So they're two alumni from MMU. Uh, we had a coffee and we went off the ceremony, uh, and we sat in the balcony. Uh, we heard the, the introductory speech and then, uh, James' name was called James Monroe, uh, Bachelor of Arts. He got an upper two one and he, he marched across the stage with a massive smile on his face. And you kind of think, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was a, it was a great moment. The guy who gave the, the guy who gave the talk yesterday, a guy called Andrew Hayen, he's on the Board of Governors of MMU. He gave some advice to all students. He said what he called the three T's, trust in yourself, trust in the team around you, and always, always tell the truth. And I think I was, while I was saying that, I was applying, I was thinking back to my own story and thinking, well, I didn't trust the team around me, in particular my wife. Uh, and I should have done that. And again, there was a, there was a time in March 2014 where I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust in my ability to, to make the thing happen. And maybe if I had done and I trusted in my team, it would have been, it wouldn't have been as stressful, certainly for me. It wouldn't have been as black an experience. John was on the brink of bankruptcy and he shouldered all of this by himself. He was the breadwinner of the family. He had to look after his wife, he had to look after his children. But for whatever reason, he just couldn't really bring it upon himself to tell his wife, probably the most important person in his life, about the situation they were facing. You hear this from a lot of men, that they feel this need to take all of the pressure put it all upon themselves and they're not willing to tell anyone about it but where does this come from this comes back to ancestors our fathers great-grandfathers and how they had the burden of responsibility and they were considered the breadwinner of the family this is something that we can address in 2022 and beyond that it doesn't have to be that way because you cause yourself more pain in the long run Hypothetically speaking, if John had told his wife from the get-go about what was happening, perhaps they could have discussed a solution and still kept it private and not told anyone else, but they could have come up with a problem-solving strategy. Perhaps they would have really overcome this a lot sooner than what John was able to do. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you'd like to learn more about Our Voices, make sure you go to our website, which is www.ourvoicespodcast.com. You'll get all the blog articles, all the episodes that we've done in the past. Make sure you follow us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review while you're there. It would really help me a lot as I look to grow the show. 
Thanks so much. I'll see you next week for another great story. Thanks so much for listening. Now you probably know I'm looking to grow this show. Since you're here, I'm guessing you're a fan, but you might not know how to help. Here's how. One, tap follow wherever you're listening. Two, give it a five-star review on your podcast app. This helps more people discover the show. Three, send this episode to one person. They'll thank you for it later. I really appreciate your help. See you on the next one.